Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it is a joy to be back with you. My daughter is married. Yes, it's a good thing. Uh, we welcome you here today and uh, welcome all who are uh, watching online via simulcast, uh, including our campus in Bel Air, Michigan. We greet you, Pastor Bob, Amy, and the rest of you there. Uh, put your hands together. Thank them for watching. Thank you. Uh, take your Bibles. Uh, hopefully you read them during the week and you bring them on Sunday. Uh, if you don't read them during the week, still bring them on Sunday. Uh, but it's best if you do read this book uh, throughout the week and uh, meditate upon it. In fact, uh, let me encourage you. Uh, I want to challenge uh, our congregation this week, uh, just this week, uh, to read the, the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, if you're willing to do that, um, I want you to look at it through the lens of Jesus' commands, uh, him as the king, the kingdom of God. And on every page of Matthew, uh, look for something to seek forgiveness for. As I was listening to Matthew this week audibly, uh, it was as if, like every single page, there was something to say, Lord, I need your help to live like that. Uh, so read the Gospel of Matthew. As we prepare for the Easter season, we're about four weeks out. Uh, read Matthew this week. That's my challenge to you this week. But today, we're in 1 Corinthians 6. If you're brand new with us, um, uh, we do preach uh, from the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, and we're in the book of 1 Corinthians, which is written by a man named Paul. He was an apostle. He wrote it to a church, uh, probably much smaller than ours, uh, likely a home church in the city of Corinth. This is why it's called 1 Corinthians. He wrote them a couple letters, uh, but here we are in chapter 6, uh, reading from God's Word. Mine is entitled, Lawsuits Against Believers. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Uh, can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute? There's our focus today, settling disputes. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers, but brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers? To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded, but you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers? Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But, everybody say amen. <laughs> but you were washed. You were sanctified. You are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. Let's pray. 
Our Father, your word says that we are to live in harmony with one another, Romans 12. Your word also says that we are not to repay evil for evil. Your word says that we are to be at peace with all men as much as is possible with us. Your word says never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Lord, we cannot do those things without your help. We need your strength. We need your grace. We need your assistance by your Holy Spirit to live out those commands by the power of the Spirit for the sake of the Son and to the glory of your name. Help us today to understand your word. And we pray this in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Uh, there's no shortage of uh, relational disputes in life, is there? There's no shortage of uh, conflict. Uh, neighbors fighting against neighbors, uh, brothers against sisters, family members at war with each other, uh, church members in conflict. There's no shortage of uh, problems and complications where you feel that you are on the receiving end of uh, some form of injustice. Last Monday, after uh, we got done with our daughter's wedding, we left at 4.15 in the morning from Boston, and uh, we began to drive back, straight back, 15 hours straight. Uh, and uh, we had just started our journey, dark out, 75 miles an hour on the Massachusetts Turnpike, and uh, within the first 15 minutes, my daughter Darcy began to uh, complain that she wasn't feeling good. And of course, I'm a good dad, so I said, yeah, shut up and go to sleep. And uh, <laughs> something to that effect. And uh, Daddy, I'm, I'm, just not, I'm just not feeling good. I'm just feeling nauseous. And honey, just lay down, go to sleep. Just, it's okay. You're going to feel better because this is the best dad award ever. Just, just, it's okay. Just long drive. And a few minutes later, uh, it starts. Uh, the, uh, the gagging and the vomiting. And uh, so uh, I do what any good dad would do because I can't pull off. I got a guardrail right here, 75. I got traffic around me. And so I put her window down. Darcy, put your head out the window. Throw up out the window. And uh, because I can't pull over, it's not safe. And, and so uh, she, she begins to uh, throw up out the window. Um, so I mean, I just, uh, do you know what happens? <laughs> when you throw up at 75 miles an hour out the window, okay. <laughs> Kyle's in the back seat. <laughs> Darcy, you're throwing up all over me. Get your head out the window further. You're so he's getting thrown up on. So here's the point of this. <laughs> if, if, our family, uh, if our family could uh, take that to court. If, if we could file lawsuits, um, I could sue Darcy for property damages to my vehicle. Uh, Darcy could sue me for parental negligence. And Kyle could sue Darcy for emotional distress caused by defamation. So here we go. So how should we respond? How should we respond when we are on the receiving end of some form of offense, whether it's uh, a real or perceived. How should we respond when believers have differences? Uh, how do we respond when we suffer trivial uh, issues with one another? This is Paul's focus. I, I need to help narrow in the lens here because his focus is right here. It's, it's with believer and believer. He's not dealing with the broader issues 
of the judicial system. We'll talk a little bit about that today. But he's dealing specifically when we have problems with each other, settling differences. Uh, My outline today comes from uh, three phrases of Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't like to disagree with him, okay? So this is what Jesus said. All of these are in Matthew 5. Jesus said, if we can go back to the, the, the summary slide, please, that I skipped over, thank you. Jesus said, settle your differences quickly, turn the other cheek, acting as true children of your Father in heaven. And when I read Matthew 5 this week, I realized that these three individual phrases of Jesus is a perfect summary for what Paul teaches. Paul's not teaching some weird, random thing. He's borrowing from the words of Christ. And his first section is settled differences. The second section is, why not rather be defrauded? Why not rather be wrong? That's turn the other cheek. And his third section is a reminder of our our identity in Christ. uh, That is, we are to act as true children of our Father. So this is my outline from the words of Jesus himself. Point number one, settle your differences quickly. The context is Paul addressing personal grievances between believers. Have you ever had one? Yes. These are trivial cases. Here's important. These are trivial cases of non-criminal behavior. They're petty issues where people in the church had some forms of division and they were taking each other to the Uh, Corinthian judicial system, where they had judges and laws and courts that presided and had jurisdiction over the affairs of its people in the city of Corinth. It's not that the judicial system was incapable of delivering justice. This is not why Paul says don't go to court. It's that the court system in Corinth uh, certainly did not operate at that time uh, with a biblical framework or with a, with a perspective of uh, the triune God as their, as their authority. By the way, uh, we are fortunate in the American judicial system. You realize that? We are very fortunate in the, in the scope of history to have a judicial system that is at least rooted in a biblical framework of some form, right? Not all judges and officials rule with a biblical mindset, but we are very fortunate. Corinth didn't have this. And so this is Paul's concern. It is interesting to know that when Paul had been in Corinth, and if you've been with us through the series, you know that he was there. He was their pastor. He was there for 18 months. Do you know that in that 18 months that he was actually sued and taken to court in Corinth? So he knows what he's talking about. It was the the Jewish people, uh, and he was a Jew himself, but it was the Jewish uh, people that uh, sued Paul, uh, who was a Christian, And they took him basically to the circuit court of Corinth. And uh, here was the two parties. The Jews were the prosecutors. Paul was the defendant. And the prosecutor presents his case before the judge. And the judge at that time uh, is a circuit court judge named Gallio. Gallio hears the prosecution's uh, issues, which they have with Paul, which are very trivial and theological in nature, has nothing to do with criminal behavior. And so the judge uh, interjects, even before Paul can speak his defense. The judge says, get out of my court. Here's what Gallio says, the judge. This is the Corinthian court system. Uh, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, read these next four words with me. See to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. 
get out of my court. I love that phrase. This is a worldly judge. See to it, what? Yourself. This is what Paul is saying to the church. He's saying to the church, see to these issues yourselves. So this is a worldly judge, and this is what Paul is saying as well, is see to things yourself. Uh, This is an amazing perspective from a worldly judge who sees in front of him a court uh, a, a, a lawsuit that has no reason to be there. And, and he says, why are you even here? See to it yourselves. It does not mean that the justice system is ineffective or incapable. We owe a debt of gratitude to not only the American judicial system and believers who work within it, but our American judicial system works uh, from law enforcement to judges to lawyers to mediators to uphold justice defend the innocent, and prosecute criminal behavior. We are blessed. And we specifically owe a debt of gratitude to anyone in our congregation or anyone in our community who works within that justice system to both uphold justice and to enforce laws in our communities, don't we? We owe that debt of gratitude. That is not what Paul is addressing here. Can I be any more clear? I'm trying to be very clear. Paul is not anti-judicial system, nor am I. Paul is addressing trivial issues that divide believers that ought to be resolved within the community framework of the church. Is this clear? Yeah? Okay. Paul's point is that when believers have trivial differences with each other, uh, they should resolve it. Here it is. I think that it's out there. In the church, out of court, with a mediator. If possible, this is the ideal of settling differences, is that it's in the church, out of court, with a mediator. This is ideal, okay? This is ideal. There are times, of course, when believers will find themselves uh, victims of criminal behaviors, and they will find themselves uh, involved in the law system, in the judicial system, which is there to uphold justice and defend the innocent. But the ideal pattern of Dealing with trivial differences and issues between believers is in the church, out of court with a mediator. Let's walk through this together. It is in the church, verses 1 through 3. Uh, Here it is. When one of you has a grievance against one another, uh, read the next three words. Does he dare? (laughs) Does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Are you incompetent to try trivial cases? This scripture is ignored by many. There's some in America uh, who view the church as a uh, one-hour optional meeting per week. That's about the extent of how they view the church. Church is viewed nowadays as a one-hour optional meeting per week. This is not at all how Jesus and the apostles saw the church. They saw it much differently. They saw it as a governing body which offers accountability and authority. It's, uh, it's an institution that is a community of believers that, that is capable to resolve differences with one another. In other words, the church is not a building. Uh, it's not an optional one-hour meeting place a week. It is a community of believers competent and capable uh, to settle trivial matters. What does this often look like? 
It often looks like this. It often looks like uh, Mr. A has, uh, has an issue uh, with Mr. B. It could be some sort of a contractual difference or just a disagreement over something. Uh, and uh, so Mr. A has a problem with Mr. B, and so he goes and tells Mr. C about it, which he shouldn't do, but he does, right? Because this is a human nature. We tell somebody else what our offense is. And uh, Mr. C hears about the offense, and he takes Mr. A over to Mr. B, and he brings them together, and within five minutes, the issue is resolved. This is what it often looks like. This is to be the normal pattern of resolving differences within the church, is that people of differing opinions are brought together, if necessary, with a mediator, and they resolve their differences. But it's done in the church. Paul also goes on to talk about it's done out of court. Uh, Here it is, verse 4. Verse 4, so if you have such cases, again, such cases is what? It's the trivial cases. We're dealing with things that are non-criminal in behavior. If you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have? uh, Read that. No standing in the church. This is how he views the Corinthian judicial system. Yes, they're capable to deliver justice. Yes, they're capable to uphold and defend the innocent, but they have no standing in the church. That is, they don't operate with a biblical framework. They don't honor Christ as Lord. Why go to them when you are more than capable yourselves to do this? Why bypass the church? This is it. Here it is. Listen. Why bypass the church? Why take it to those who have no standing before the Lord? Why not make full use of the church by bringing difficulties to godly, impartial people who are guided by a biblical framework? Why don't we? This is where I was uh, stuck this week for a couple days. Why? Look up here real quick. Why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? And it occurred to me, We don't do this because we have such a low view of the church. We have a low view of the church. To obey this would require that we actually elevate the view of the church. Uh, No longer do we view it as a one-hour optional meeting. We view the church as a community of believers with local authority, local accountability that can help people resolve differences in a way that is competent and humble and understanding and seeks to bring mediation between two warring parties. Uh, Some people get this right, by the way. Uh, Let me tell you one story. This was like, uh, to me, the the iconic, like this was a right moment. And I saw it unfold before my eyes. It was over 15 years ago. There was a local Christian organization uh, in Traverse City who was owed money by a Christian family uh, because of a contractual issue. And uh, the, the family who owed the money uh, because of this, uh, because of it, uh, they were not paying their debt. This went on for about a year. The Christian organization had tried repeatedly with this family to recoup what was owed them to no success. The family stopped answering the phone calls. Have you ever done that when you owed a debt? Sometimes the best thing to do is just like, you just stop answering the calls, right? Well, so they did. Because the organization and these believers had common connection to New Hope, the organization then contacted the church. I answered the phone. Uh, They laid their case before me. I did not take their side. I took it to our founding pastor, Dave Stanfest. I said, hey, here's the issue. We have these two people, these two issues involved. Uh, what do you want me to do? You want me to call? He says, yeah, give, them a call. give the family a call and see if we can just bring the parties together. So I make a phone call that day. I leave a phone message. Uh, it's about 30 seconds. Uh, 
a 30-second phone message. Hey, this is Craig, one of the pastors at staff in New Hope Community Church. We got a call from so-and-so that, uh, that there's some sort of a disagreement between you two regarding a contractual thing. We would love to get together with you guys uh, in them and bring you guys together. Uh, and uh, hey, give me a call back. Do you know that that day, the family called the organization and settled their bill? And all I did was make a phone call. Do you see it? I wasn't taking sides. The church exists to help bring two warring parties together in a way that makes sense and is humble and gracious and understanding. Some people get it right. If necessary, we are to do this with a mediator, verse 5 and 6. Uh, Paul talks about this. Uh, can, it be that there's, can it be that there's no one wise enough among you? Corinth, to settle a dispute between brothers, but brother goes to law against brother in that before unbelievers. Does Corinth not have wise people, wise leaders to help navigate trivial disputes? Make it contextual. Does a church like New Hope not have people trained in conflict resolution? Does a church like New Hope not have people with spiritual gifts of governing and administration and helps that could help Two warring parties together. <laughs> One of our uh, elders uh, is also in the legal profession, but, but he, he has a life mission. Uh, one of our elders here at New Hope, his life mission is this. It is to help churches and individuals make wise decisions based on biblical principles. He does that in his legal profession, but he also loves to do that for believers as well. Uh, and, you know, we are not uh, adding 10 or 20 hours a week to Andy's schedule because other people are equipped to do this. But uh, today, because of his unique spiritual gifts and focus, I wanted him to take a few minutes to talk to you about, about the type of heart attitudes that is required to mediate differences with one another. Uh, Andy, would you come on up? Welcome him to the stage, please. Thanks, Andy. And thanks, Frank. Uh, a brief history. Uh, been a lawyer in town since 2004, um, and I do all civil litigation. So all this stuff we're talking about here, and that probably leads to a couple hundred cases. I don't know, not uh, not huge, but um, seen a lot of mediation. So if you were a local lawyer, every time you file a lawsuit, you the court says you must go to mediation. So I've seen plenty of those, um, and so I wanted to talk about that. Um, and, and by the way, I should admit, I was not good at this early in my career. You want to fight, you want to win. And, you know, as Craig said, I, I do believe we have the finest justice system in the world. We, we get to the truth, we value the truth. And maybe other than uh, Moses getting people to judge the tribes of Israel, I think we have the finest system probably in the history of mankind. You know. But I noticed something over the years. Um, there's a high cost of litigation. I'm not just talking about my bills. Um, we're talking uh, stress. We're talking pain. I have had clients who can't sleep for months on end because it doesn't end fast. I have clients who develop physical symptoms. We have had clients of our firm who I believe died because of a lawsuit. It just enters and defines you and controls everything about you. And that would be maybe worth it if at the very end when you won, if you won, it was a wonderful thing. 
Um, but some of the saddest things I have seen are clients where I think we got complete 100% victory and they wanted it and they loved it and they wanted to win. I mean, because some people love to fight and win. It's like a sport with them. And at the end it was, oh, is this it? It, it, I mean, I got everything I wanted, and then Andy hands me a bill, but even beyond that, is this it? I thought it would be better than this. And again, those are people who have complete victory. So what's going on? Um, despite the fact that we have the best justice system, despite the fact that uh, this person got a complete victory, all we can offer here on Earth is earthly justice, not spiritual justice. I believe there is a component in them, that we, we long for this heavenly justice that, that just isn't available here. So um, I do firmly believe if you can mediate a dispute, you are gonna be so much better off. Now, sometimes you can't and you get stuck. And, uh, but if you can, uh, this, this scripture is so true. Um, so like I said, every, every case filed up in, in the counties up here goes through mediation. So I've been through uh, plenty of them and I would tell you that the number one factor to determine whether a case is going to resolve is not the complexity of the dispute, whether it has a lot of zeros after it or whether there's a ton of facts or a ton of law. The number one factor of whether a case is going to settle is the attitude of the litigants. Because I've had cases where I went into it going, no way, man, I mean, we are far apart. These people are entrenched. They think, you know, the, literally the light was red or the light was green, and, and nobody agrees on anything. And yet I've had those cases settled. And I've had cases where, like, we're talking about where the driveway goes, and those, or where the, the hedgerow goes, and, and those can't settle for some reason. And again, it's not the complexity, it's the attitude of the litigants. Um, uh, which I love to say because at this point we're really talking about a spiritual problem. This is what Paul is talking about. The heart attitude there determines how big the conflict actually is. So uh, let me just give you a couple things, having gone through this uh, many times, that uh, I think are detrimental, uh, that are going to bring up these disputes that prevent disputes from resolving, and then we'll talk about some that are beneficial uh, to, re uh, to resolving disputes. So. Uh, what can be detrimental? What can lead you to not be able to follow the scripture that we're talking about today? Uh, number one is focusing on the past hurt. Now, I'm a lawyer, not a psychologist, so I don't know that much about how much you need to look at the past hurt. You can talk to Pastor Tim. But at some point, if you are just going to be on and on and you cannot move your mind past the wrong that has been done to you, you will never, ever settle your matter. You're always going back, and I've seen it. We spend hours talking about a possible solution, and you want to turn back around and talk about how you've been hurt. Uh, and again, you, you need to move beyond that. Um, second thing, some of you are just argumentative. You like to quarrel. I mean, I have clients who love it. I mean, they love litigation more than I do. <laughs> I mean, they just want to fight and fight and fight, and no matter. I mean, you know, we're down to fighting over where the meeting takes place. I mean, that's not important. That's just, you just like to fight. And if you're like that, if that's your old nature, uh, scroll down to the end of the verses that uh, we read today. You have been washed. You better be sanctified. You better keep growing beyond that. It, it's, I don't, I don't know how better to say it. It's hard to do if you have that nature, but you just gotta stop. Um, 
some of us, uh, and I say us here, uh, have the tendency to need the other side to completely agree with us. It's not enough to resolve something and move on knowing that there's a disagreement. Um, when we see here, Paul's really, he, he never shies away in this passage from saying there is a dispute. He never says you have to pretend it didn't happen or ignore it, but some of us like to not just win, but have the other side say, oh, you are 100% completely right and you've always been right. And, and that never happens. That's not a real dispute. And, and so we need to get beyond that notion of I must make the other side 100% completely agree. Uh, with me. Uh, here are some things that can be very beneficial in your spirit to wanting to resolve a dispute. Uh, number one is listen. Uh, I always tell my clients, I don't care what you think, there is always another side to this story. It may be a wrong side, but it's their side. And, and until you listen to that other person's story, listen to their point of view, listen to their facts, which again, you might think are 100% completely wrong, until that other side has had a chance to be heard, you have zero chance of resolving this dispute. Um, the second thing that can be very beneficial is to focus on what you need. Now, this may be the first time in this pulpit someone said, focus on yourself more than others. <laughs> but what I mean by this is, is this. So you have a disagreement. You're trying to resolve it. You need to focus on the bare minimum that lets you move on. And here's my example from this. I uh, had a dispute. It was between two cousins over splitting up some property. I had a family home on it. And, and look, family and land uh, are about the things that get people most riled up, and this had both. And I was given a long checklist of, I need this. Man, I don't know. We went in the other room. We talked hours and hours and hours, came back. And I was triumphant. I burst into the room. I got you everything on your list. Nailed it. We got everything you wanted. And I started telling her some details, and I got down to, yeah, and she wants, you know, Aunt so-and-so's painting. Boom. It all fell apart. Well, she can't have that. Hmm. I said, well, you, you didn't tell me you wanted that. Well, I don't want it, but she can't have it. <laughs> so, so focus on what you need to move on. You have to be realistic. You cannot spend your time focusing on the other person, making sure they don't get what they want, making sure that they are not happy, which leads to uh, the final point. Uh, again, I'll go back to the number one indicator of whether a, a dispute or a lawsuit is gonna settle is really the heart attitude of the litigants. And uh, final thing to be beneficial to resolution then is love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. If you're new here, those aren't my words. Uh, that's Matthew 5, 44. Um, this is the hardest thing. And if you are in a dispute right now, uh, I'm going to give you homework, and it may be one of the hardest things you ever do. If you sit down and you pray a blessing over that adverse party, you pray a blessing over them. And I don't mean, because I've done it, man, I try to pray for the other side or the other lawyer who's just a jerk. And what you want to pray is, God, bring your justice down and break them and prove how wrong they are. <laughs> I get it, and you can read the Psalms, but that's not the kind of prayer I'm talking about because I want you to change your heart. You pray for them just unqualified, 100% blessing. 
God bless his family, bless her work, bless her kids, bless her as she struggles with this decision, bless him as we talk, just pure 100% unqualified blessing. It will be one of the hardest things you've ever done. It will also be one of the best things if you can get through it. Uh, because I think that is the heart attitude. If we're going to be as a church held up as an example of a place that takes care of differences, not hiding them under the rugs, but acknowledging the dispute and taking care of it, that is the heart attitude that will shine out. That is the heart attitude that we don't find anywhere in our justice system, as wonderful as it is. And that is going to, uh, whether it's the Corinth Church or us, that is going to distinguish us in how we resolve disputes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Andy. Great. Excellent. Thank you, Andy. Resolve differences in the church, out of court with the mediator. That's the ideal. Talking trivial differences. And turn the other cheek. This also comes from Matthew 5, uh, but here it is uh, what Paul says. Uh, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. The New Living Translation will say it this way. Why not accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? <laughs> Why not? Because <laughs> none of us like that, Paul. I mean, the, why not accept the injustice and leave it to that? Well, Paul, it's not fair. That's why we don't. I don't deserve it. That's why we don't. But this is what the Scripture teaches. Uh, Jesus taught it. Paul taught it. It teaches it all the way through. Paul wants us to reassess what true victory and defeat is. Uh, Andy just talked about that. What is true victory and defeat as God sees it? You know that, uh, as, as he mentioned, you could be totally right, about the case, you could go to court, you could win the case, and God still sees it as a defeat? That's what he's saying. Reassess and rethink what victory and defeat is. Also rethink and reassess your motive. What is your motive? Do you want justice or is it actually revenge? That's what verse 8, look at it. He says, you wrong. As it is, you wrong and you defraud your own brothers. Uh, the motive behind these trivial disputes in Corinth was that they wanted revenge. They didn't ultimately even want justice. They wanted the other party to pay. So Paul says, reassess what victory and defeat is from God's perspective and rethink and reassess what your motive of the heart is. Do you want actual justice or is it actual revenge? This is the posture Jesus calls us to. Here's Matthew 5. Matthew 5 is not guidelines for the justice system. Matthew 5 is actually guidelines for the social ethic between believers. So here's what he says. Matthew chapter 5, he says, If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give them your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Turn the other cheek, give your coat as well, and go beyond what is required of you. That is a social ethic. It is a posture of grace. It is willing to accept injustice and unfair treatment. And <laughs> Let me just stop. That is hard, and it's constantly disobeyed by believers. That's hard. But it's the words of Christ himself. I 
when I was thinking about the difference between do you want justice or revenge, uh, you know, up pops this week, brand new in the news uh, from California. A neighbor had complained against a neighbor because of the height of the fence because local ordinance required that it not exceed three feet. So the neighbor had to cut his fence down to three feet to obey local ordinance. But that neighbor, because of retaliation, because he didn't know who complained, uh, he decides to set up uh, in his yard uh, so that all of his neighbors can see five naked mannequins uh, at a garden party uh, just to tick off his neighbors. And he has a sign uh, sitting right next uh, to these naked mannequins uh, here, which says, uh, reserve seat for the nosy neighbor that complained about my fence to the city. You know that many of our disputes, we, we just go right to retaliation, don't we? We go right to revenge. Paul says, rethink victory and defeat and rethink your motives. What are you after? What do you really want? And can we approach things from a, uh, a posture of grace that Jesus calls us to that resolves differences quickly and turns the other cheek? Number three, uh, in the best part, acting as true children of your Father. The reason why we would do all of this <laughs> is because we are children of our Father, Right? He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he lists a whole bunch of sins, and such were some of you. But we're not that anymore. The reason why we can accept injustice uh, and, and move on and resolve the differences quickly is because we are children of our Father. This is a powerful thing. It's a powerful reminder. Before Christ, we, all of us, were legally guilty we were unrighteous. We deserve punishment. If God prosecuted us, we would have been justly sentenced to death. And this is why he says, and such were some of you. If we can put up verse 11, we'll skip ahead to the verse 11. He says, and such were some of you, but you were what? Washed. You were what? Sanctified. You were what? Justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In other words, even with all of our legal offenses against the Father, He settled differences with us by putting the justice on Christ. He put the punishment we deserved on His Son. What did, what did He do? He accepted the punishment on our behalf, to which I say, that's not fair. I don't deserve that. But that's grace. And as recipients of abundant grace, we would wash, we've been sanctified, we've been justified, we have been forgiven so much, and the differences between us and our Father in heaven have been settled on account of His Son because we've been poured out grace upon grace. Guess what? Now we can pour out grace upon grace to those who we have differences with because we're children of the Father. We have a posture of grace. If you've never received God's great gift, there's no better time than today. If you've never said, Lord, I'm dirty, I'm guilty, I'm legally guilty, I'm unrighteous before you, I need to be washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ and I receive your gift by grace. What a great opportunity to do that today. And if you have received that gift, we are now called to walk as Jesus walked. Why extend mercy when wronged? Because God extended mercy to us when we were wronged. Why give grace and accept injustice? Because God gave us grace and put the justice of our sins upon Christ. Why forgive believers for trivial offenses? Because 
God in His Son, Jesus Christ, forgave us as believers for our offenses. We have this opportunity to showcase grace to the world. And because Christ suffered unjustly to give us what we don't deserve, we also now have the opportunity to show grace to others who don't deserve that as well. And the Apostle Peter will say it this way, it is a gracious thing in the sight of God when you suffer for doing good. It's a gracious thing in the sight of God when you suffer for doing good. Action step. Let's obey the Corinthian judge. Do you remember the circuit court judge Gallio? Remember him? He said, see to it yourselves. And let's obey the words of Jesus our Lord. His process, his pattern. This is what Paul reaches back to that, you know, when he talks about the ideal resolve differences in court. I'm sorry, not in court. Uh, in the church, out of court, with a mediator if necessary. It's exactly what his Lord Jesus taught. If a brother sins against you, Go tell him his fault between what? Between you and him alone. I can't tell you how many times that is skipped. Go to them alone. Craig, what if they don't listen? Oh, Jesus tells us. If he listens, you've gained a brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. That's other believers. They're not taking your side. You're establishing a testimony. Here it is, that every charge may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. You take mediators with you. Well, what if they don't listen? Jesus tells us. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. No, it doesn't mean to broadcast it up here on stage in front of everybody. It means to go to even even higher authority to help bring resolution and mediation. Do you see it? Go to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. What he is getting at there, if somebody at the heart level, refuses to acknowledge their wrong, even after repeated attempts, that person may not even be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus doesn't go past there. Go to them immediately, alone, take one or two others, take it to the church. After that, accept injustice. We need God's help with this. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we started this sermon by praying Romans 12, and I want to pray it again. Uh, Your word says, live in harmony with each other. And I want to pray that for new hope for our believers, for all of us, Lord, that there would be a posture of grace that we would live in humility with each other and in harmony. Your word says, as much as is possible as you, be at peace with all men. We need your help with that, Lord, because of our own wayward hearts. We need to have the attitude and the posture of grace that only comes by your spirit, through your son, and for your glory. 
And your word then says very profoundly, never avenge yourselves, leave it to the wrath of God. Lord, how often do we want to take justice into our own hands and get revenge and retaliation? But Lord, I pray that by your grace, you would help to resolve differences with believers. And may all of this glorify your son. Uh, May all of this go to the praise and the glory of you. Because Lord, at the core of Paul's message, he is concerned about the testimony of the gospel before the unrighteous. And Lord, as a group of believers, we want to preserve that testimony so that the name of Jesus is not defamed in our culture, so that Christ's name is exalted and lifted high. And to this end, Lord, we pray these things uh, for your sake and your glory. And all God's people said.